Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. This week I was thinking, when it comes to those of us, when it comes to those that were created in the image of God, you go, Ben, that's, that's every human. Exactly. When it comes to human... I think, as believers, we must remember the law of love. The law of love. You see, we're not under the law, but there is a law of love that I think we need to be under. You go, what's that? Well, the law of love, guys, govern our hearts. It governs our hearts as we seek to become more like Jesus. That's, that's the law of love. You see, the law of love defines us as believers, In other words, you can't say, I am a Christian, I am a follower of God, I am a believer, and not have love. You cannot be saying, I am a believer, I am a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus, and be ugly, rude to people. You can't do it. Because the law of love defines who we are. The law of love directs our thoughts in our minds for this reason. You go, what's that? To put people above things. See, the title of my message this morning is God's heart, people matter. God's heart, people matter. For you see in verses 23 through 33, the apostle Paul, who we've been tracking with, he's going to, he's going to exhort us to exercise the law and love. As he writes in verse 33, he says this, look, take a look. He says, just as I just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Now, here's the thing I love about Paul. Sometimes I go, Paul, what are you talking about? Paul, could you speak English? Just tell, you know, I mean, because he's like, I mean, you go, well, let me give it to you in an easier translation. Here's what he's saying, right? The New Living Translation says it like this. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what's best for me, I do what's best for others so that they may be saved. I think that's an easier way to see this, right? Hey, I'm not just looking out for my interests, I'm looking out for you so that others can be saved. That's what he's saying, right? And this is really what it is. It's God's heart and people matter. Now, your question to me this morning would be, Ben, why do people really matter? Here's why. Because Paul just told us that it's not only what's best for us, but for others for this reason. So that many may be saved. Many may be saved. Listen to me. People matter because eternity is a very long time to spend out of the presence of God. Guys, are you getting that? People matter... Because eternity is a very long time for people to spend out of the presence of God. You see, when it comes to hell, a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors, the fire and brimstone say, you're going to be burning, blah, blah, blah. Listen, hell alone is just being out of the presence of God. Who wants to be out of the presence of God? See, right now we feel the presence of God because His Holy Spirit is here and He walks with us and He talks with us. So people matter. But see, people also matter because, can we just be honest, life is hard. 
It's hard enough trying to navigate through it without the Prince of Peace or even a loving family to belong to. Oh, so many people go, I don't go to church because there are a bunch of hypocrites. No, we're a family of hypocrites. I get that. I get we say one thing and do another, but we're family and, and life is hard enough to be trying to navigate alone and figure out stuff without having a loving brother or sister to come alongside you say, man, good job. Congratulations. You got this. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. You're not alone. Guys, that really needs to be our motto these next 30 days. You're not alone. I know you feel alone. I know you feel like the enemy is saying, man, but you're not alone. And maybe somebody, you invite somebody over to your house for Christmas. You invite somebody over to your house for, for Christmas Eve. Even if they don't come, you let them know you're not alone. Ah, but you're just, they're just doing that for pity's sake. No, we're doing it because this is what, well, people matter. People matter. So we see that eternity is a long time, and we see that life is hard, so I feel like we need to chat for a moment. Because Paul says, listen, the reason people matter is because people need to be saved. And we have to, talk about, we, have to, we have to talk about salvation. We have to talk about what does he mean to be saved, right? Because that's one of those things that we kind of go through. What, is it, what does it mean to be saved? Well, here's the thing. Salvation, this is something we must talk about and unpack. Why? Because I think of Paul and I think of the gospel and how it brings salvation, how, his, how the enemy has distorted it in every way. You need to be saved. You go, well, what do you mean? Well, for example, okay, for example, we're told by a loving believer that if, that all of our problems will go away if we just pray a prayer and ask God and, and ask Jesus to come into our lives. All your problems are going to go away. Just do this. You see, what happens is we have so many people come into the church so emotionally broken that they hear a message and they're, and they're moved and they're touched by it that they go, oh, wait a minute, I've tried this and I've tried this and I've tried, maybe I'll try God. And so we say, okay, pray this prayer. You ready? Pray, pray this prayer. And, and we lead them in a prayer, but we realize, here, here, here's the problem, guys. We realize that words alone aren't sufficient to save. And so what happens is the gospel of Jesus Christ didn't penetrate the heart. The person never received change, walks out the door, and she comes to, he or she comes to the conclusion, well, I guess I, I'm always going to be this way. I guess I'm always going to be a mess up. I guess I'm always going to think this way. I guess I'm always going to be. And we go, well, I thought they were saved. Hey, hey, when did you get saved? Well, I went, I walked forward at a church one time, but you know, and here's what we do. What do we do? What, are we, what, what do classic humans do? We put the blame on God, don't we? Well, I guess God didn't love me. I know, I know the Bible says God is loving. He loves you, but I guess... And, and, and that's, that can be furthest from the truth. Because Paul told us. Paul told us that we must, we must... He does this, people matter, because he wants them to be saved. Saved. Saved? Yeah, what is he talking about? Well, if you have a pencil handy, I mean, saved is really this. Think about it. it. It's divided in a couple of ways. It's to cause someone to experience divine salvation. That's what it means. To cause, you, you need to experience it. And another way is this. He says this. Listen, it's to save, to deliver from a direct threat. I kind of like that too. It goes on to define it this way, to bring safe and sound out of a difficult 
bring safe and sound out of a difficult situation. So for us to be saved, we have to, do, we have to experience something defined. Jesus said, you must be born again. It must be from, born from above. Something has to happen. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ through salvation needs to transform our mind, our hearts, our lives, our emotions, who we are. That's what salvation is. But it also is what? It's going to save us from a divine threat. What is the threat? There's two things that are really threatening us. And you go, what is it? Number one, right? Sin. Sin is that threat, right? Eternity away from God. But I also know there's a divine, there's a, there's a threat. I got it. God saves me from me. God saves me from me. And the moment we take a look deep in our hearts and we go, oh, wretched man that I am, save me from me. Save me. Here's the battle. Like, see if you guys are tracking with me. Here's the battle. The battle is, in our lives, man, your spirit wants to serve Jesus, and it loves Jesus, and it wants to live for him all the time. Amen? And then your flesh goes, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're going to do things my way. And you're like, no, and there's this inner civil war back and forth. And sometimes your flesh rears its ugly head, and you go, oh, my, what was that? And it spews out, ugh. There's this flat. We, we have to crucify that flesh. We have to have the mind and the heart of God. You go, okay, so, so to bring safe from a threat, yep, yep, and out of a difficult situation. Guys, that's life. I, I think life is hard enough as it is, but I'd rather do life with Jesus than do life without Jesus. I mean, really. And I know the world looks at me and goes, you're just nuts. Man, you're just crazy. You need Jesus as your crutch, don't you? I say, I don't need Jesus as my crutch. You know what? I need him as my stretcher. I'm not, I'm not playing. I need him as my everything. I don't need a crutch. A crutch just implies that I've got a limp. I'm broken. I need Jesus for everything. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not who I am by myself. I am who I am because of God, because his spirit convicts me in those areas, because I listen to it, because I want to obey, because I love Jesus beyond everything. That's really where we're, where we're at. And so, and he says, okay, so, so you're saved. You're saved. Okay. Okay. And, and, and so we learned that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it saves us from sin. You go, amen. But it also changes us from the inside out. You see, the word that's used is actually transformation transformation. You have been transformed from the inside out. Here's the problem. The enemy comes and says, let's transform you from the outside in. Let's clean up. Let's get, let's go. Let's look pretty. Let's put on nice clothes. Let's, uh, let's learn how to speak. God bless you. Amen, sister. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a new word I've learned. Hallelujah. And we try to be clean, and, and the inside is still yucky. God says, no, 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 we're going to do something different. We're going to clean you from the, in- it's transformation, right? Transformation. You go, well, can you, can you illustrate it? Well, it's the word that we get metamorphosis. You guys heard that before, right? Metamorphosis, right? And a metamorphosis is this. It's a thorough or dramatic, everybody say dramatic, change in form or appearance. Your friends in high school when you weren't saved should be going, you've changed. You're different. Man, you used to be crazy. You used to be, man, you were, but you're changed. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to change your personality. Your personality is your personality, but they're going to notice something that you've changed. And here's what people do. Let's be honest, okay? 
All of a sudden, you get radically saved, you repent, whatever it might be, and you, I mean, listen, you're on Facebook, you're posting scriptures, you're doing this, and, and here's what the world's doing. They're watching. Oh, that'll last for a little while. Don't worry. She'll be back to where she was. Yeah, it's just, give it a year. And, and see, they'll wait. They'll wait two years, they'll wait five years, and then when they see it, they go, see, they weren't really saved. They weren't really saved. See, they were all religious for a while. Same, same. They're all the same. But when five years go by and ten years go by and they're like, the dude's radical, man. That girl's radical. Wow. See, I was, I was at the grocery store the other day and I, I, I was just having a bad day and my friend from high school, that was the what, what, this is the crazy girl. She came up to me. She's like, oh, can I pray for you? And I freaked out because, Wow. And so again, guys, it's transformation. You guys know the word, right? Because it's a dramatic change in form and appearance. It's where, it's where the, the metamorphosis is like when a, when a caterpillar changes in form to what? A beautiful butterfly. That's what happens. A lot of us were caterpillars. Okay? We are walking around the ground sniffing, right? And God says, no, 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 we're going to change you. And he puts us in that cocoon and we're like, no, I don't like this. Oh, it hurts. And then we come out and we're like, wow, you look beautiful. Look at your wings. And God says, I want you to fly. I want you to fly. What does the devil do? The devil says, no, 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 you're not a butterfly. You're, you're a caterpillar. You're a caterpillar. You need to stay a caterpillar. The thing about it is that, guys, what we communicate to ourselves, we have to tell ourselves we are not a caterpillar anymore. We have been transformed into a beautiful butterfly. Guys, you have to speak that into your heart. You have to speak that. You have to know that God created you to fly and to soar and, and, and to bring glory to him, Paul's going to say. And that's exactly what he's talking about. And if you recall, this metamorphosis, this, this dramatic change, John, the Apostle John, in the book of John, actually explained it. He didn't use the word salvation. He actually used the word believe. He says, he says, I want you to believe. I want you to believe. And you go, what was it? Well, if you recall, it was made up of three Greek words. This is what it really meant. This is the word believe. This is salvation. This is what he wants us to do. You go, what was that? It was the Greek word pisteo, right? Pisteo, P-I-S-T-E-U-O. You go, what does that mean? It means to have faith in. But in what? In respect to a person to entrust. That's what it means. Salvation means you are trusting someone other than you to get to heaven. Can I get an amen? That has to be, that has to happen. And I'll tell you why. Let me give you the other word. The other word is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And it means to be persuaded, to have reliance upon Christ for salvation. So I'm putting my faith, I rely on Christ. And the last word is pitheo, and it means to be convinced with confidence. Confidence. That's key. Why? Because salvation is, how are you saved? Jesus. I'm putting my faith in, it's not me. Well, who are you trusting in? Jesus. But I have it with confidence. You know how I know when someone is struggling in confidence? You ask him, hey, so if you were to die, would you go to heaven? Ah. Uh. I don't know. I would hope so. I, I think I did pretty good. They don't have that confidence that we have. The confidence is yes, but not because of us, but because of Jesus. I think of Brother Joe. Brother Joe was in the hospital on Wednesday. He was, man, just, just incredible pain. Joe's faith has to be in something other than himself. Has to be. 
That's why we sing that song. In the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. Amen? And when I come to die, give me Jesus. Where else would we be? Where else? I mean, in the morning, when I rise, give me Folgers in my cup. No. In the morning, when I die, I pray. I lived a good life. I did it my way. Well, that's a whole other song. I'm sorry. The point that Paul's trying to make, guys, to you and I, is that we have to make sure that we're saved. We're saved. That's people need to get saved. And see, Paul says, listen, Paul puts himself at the service of others in order that God may use him to bring people to salvation. That's what God wants to do. Guys, listen, listen, he's created you to be a butterfly so that you can soar, but not so you can go, look at me, I'm a butterfly, but so that others can go, wow, it's a butterfly, I want to be a butterfly. He wants to be saved, right? That's what he's saying. Now, what you need to do is keep this in mind, church. Paul, he doesn't, he does not regard himself as the Savior. Paul says, don't look at me. But what he says is, let me be an instrument through which someone might hear the gospel. How many of you this morning would say, I need to be an instrument in God's hands? I need to be an instrument. You know what I'm talking about? An instrument. I want to be an instrument in God's hands. Played by the master. Oh, we have instruments up here. We have the bass player. We have the bass here. Listen, I can play the bass, okay? You don't know. I got skills. I got mad skills. You go, Ben, no, you're going to go boom, 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 boom. You go. The point is, is that when somebody plays the bass or the drums or the keyboard or the guitar, it's played by the master. Here's why. Let me, let me point this out. Play. It's not doing anything. But when played by the master, when played by somebody who knows what they're doing, doesn't it sound great? That's us. Paul says, I want to be an instrument so used in your hands. Me in and of myself. Uh, do you want to come to know Jesus? No, it's all right. But played by the master through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can love God. We can love people and we can live radically. That's, that's, that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying, guys. That's what he's saying. And so Paul says, listen, I just want to be an instrument. So what does he do? In Corinthians, in Romans, in Colossians, he adapts to his audience, not by compromising, guys, the gospel or his message, but simply, listen to me, to remove obstacles to their acceptance of the gospel message. Ooh, that's good. Why? He says, listen, I became all things to all people that I may what? Be their best friend. I became all things to all people that they may invite me over for Thanksgiving. I became all things to all people that, that I'd have a bro to go to the basketball game. He says, no, that I may win them to Christ. That's what he said. I'm not going to compromise the gospel. I'm not going to com- compromise the message. I just want to see you saved. I just want to see you saved. Why? Guys, listen, people matter. People matter. This is the heart of God. This is what he's talking about. And so... In our final verses of chapter 10, we discover the law of love. People matter 
Because God's heart is that everyone might be saved. Think about the verse, right? Think about this most popular verse. It's one of the most popular verses of all time. John 3.16. You guys know this by heart, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You talk about Christmas. This is Christmas. Okay? The Bible says it's better to give than to receive. That's what Christmas should be. We should be about giving. Because God loved the world so much, he loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. Why, God? Why would you give? He said that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's really the key. That's the key. The problem is, is that we, we read that verse again. Yeah, that's the living word. John 3.16. Yeah, I see it on the football screen. But it's, it, it's so, it should so impact us. If God is giving, we should give. What should we give? We should give of our resources, right? We should give of our resources. God's blessed you with money. Give it away. No, pastor. I need my money. Give it away, man. God's given you, God's blessed you with talent. Give it away. God's blessed you with a brain. Don't give your brain away. You know what I'm talking about, right? Use it for his kingdom. There's a group of children that need to hear Bible stories. They need to know Jesus. You guys can agree with me that our world is messed up. And we have one hour, two hours a week with these kids to tell them about Jesus. God God can use you in an amazing way. For God so loved the world. So where are we at, Ben? You haven't even get into the message. No, okay. Let me just let me quickly talk about what we what we learned last week. Okay, get you get you going. Okay, it's been said, and you guys jot this down. No greater weakness. There is no greater weakness than an unguarded strength. I love that quote, man. There is no greater weakness than an unguarded strength. That's why Paul warned us in verse 12 of this chapter when he said this. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Okay, and, and you go, why, why is it? Well, there's no greater weakness than an unguarded strength. And, and I remember I was, I was, uh, this just kind of hit me. It was way back in 2015. I don't know if you remember this, but where there was the website called Ashley Madison. Do you guys remember that website? The website of Ashley Madison was the hookup website for people seeking extramarital affairs. And so what you would do is you'd get on that website, you'd put your name in, and it'd be like, secret, secret, I'm looking for a hookup, I'm, it's an extramarital affair, right? And, and what happened was, is it was hacked, and over 30 million people's names were leaked out. Popular people, no-name people, pastors. And here's what breaks my heart, right? Because what happened is that all of a sudden, when this came out, there was a pastor by the name of John Gibson, and his name was found on that page. And when that came out in 2015, I don't know if you recall, but he wasn't able to bear the shame and the guilt. In one moment, he's behind the pulpit preaching Jesus, and in the secret moment, right, in an unguarded an unguarded strength. And what happened is he couldn't bear the guilt and the shame and he took his own life. He talked about depression. 
He talked about having his name on there. And all he wrote before that was he was very, very, very sorry. Oh, Ben, why do you bring that illustration up? But here's why. Listen, because this is real life. Guys, listen, there's a lot of areas you and I know we're weak in. Okay, I don't want to go there. I'm weak. I'm weak. But there's a lot of areas where you go, no, I'm pretty strong there. I don't have a problem. And I don't guard it, and that's where I fall. You are in a spiritual battle, my friends. And don't think the enemy doesn't know your life. I'm guarding my weaknesses, man. I'm guarding my weaknesses, whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. But if I'm not guarding my strengths, that's what the enemy goes, okay, okay, watch this. Watch this. What's a strength? Man, been married 30 plus years. Beautiful woman. Have a great relationship. Been married. Yeah, what's strong? Man, yeah, yeah. As soon as he puts it on auto cruise control. See, I'm not going to worry about my marriage. I'm not going to guard that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to guard over here. And, and again, think about it. We got to guard. We got, this is what he's talking about, man. He says, no, 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 listen. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Nathalie used to say this when she prayed for our kids. God, show me my blind spots. Show me my blind spots. You guys know the blind spots, right? All right, they're in your car, and it's like you can see so far, but there's an area that's a blind spot, and that's where we got to be careful. God, show me my blind spots. Show me what's going on. So many stories I've read of people, of men having affairs, and women sit there and go, God, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, show me my blind spot, and realize that God showed him that this gentleman has been having an affair for the last 12 years. And it breaks my heart because I'm going, God, show me my blind spots before that happens so that I can work on my marriage, so that I can work on this, so that we can communicate. God, I don't, I don't want to. Here's the thing, guys. When it comes to the gospel, I want you to think of I want you to think of this pastor because because the gospel it should have been, oh, Dad, I messed up. Even though my name's out there, I messed up. Please forgive me. But when we walk in shame and guilt, we go, oh, I messed up. Don't tell Dad. I don't want anybody to know, and I'm going to therefore check out. That's not what God says. That's not the gospel. The gospel says, come run to me. And I'm telling you right now, I told Nathalie this last night, I'm telling you, the, half the people are running from God, right? And half the people are running to God. Where are you running? We need to be running to God. God, I've messed up. I'm broken. I need you. I need you. And of course, last week you recall, Paul says, now listen, I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to encourage you guys. Don't, you need to stop two-timing on God. Right, we know what two timing is, right? Two timing is cheating. He says, "Stop cheating on God." And I was scrolling through Facebook this week. Don't judge me. I was scrolling through Facebook this week, and it confirmed because there was a there was a there was somebody had posted this exactly where we were. And here's what it read: You can jot this down if you want to. Quote: You can't walk with God holding hands with the devil. I was like, Poof. "That's exact." You can't walk with God holding hands with the devil. I was like, man, isn't that true? And he says, listen, listen, here's the thing. He says, you need to flee from idolatry. 
In other words, he's saying, quit two-timing on God. And, and, and there's a lot of people that go, Pastor, I mean, it's not a big deal. Now, now, listen, listen. This kind of living will never go well for you. It won't end up well for you. And many people think, well, nobody really knows my idol. I hide it pretty good. And nobody really thinks, man, nobody knows my secret sin. Nobody knows my secrets. Nobody knows my lies. Listen, God knew before you even thought about it. But he's so loving and so gracious. You remember that commercial? They, they try to get us to think, hey, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? What happens in Vegas? And, oh, man, what an out. Listen, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do in Vegas because whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. The thing about it is I was thinking about this and I thought, no, no. Not so with God's children. What happens in Vegas doesn't stay there, guys. And so he says, here's the admonition. Flee. Run from those things that want to destroy you. Flee. And so Paul writes last week, if you recall, he says, flee idol worship. And he gives three examples. You guys remember? He uses communion. He says, you can't take communion and, and be part of that fellowship. He says, remember Israel. Israel partook of the sacrifice. You can't do that. And then, and he talks about the pagan feasts. Okay. And the, point tries, and the point that Paul is desperately trying to make to the Corinthian church is a believer cannot partake of the Lord's food, the Old Testament sacrifice, New Testament supper, and the devil's food. He says you can't do that without exposing himself to the danger and provoking the Lord. And so he's going to finish up, guys, verse 23. He says, now all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Do you realize that, guys? This is a recurring plea. Paul's like, guys, think about it, right? Because it's almost like the Corinthian church is going, hey, I'm free. I can do what I want. I've got Jesus. Is that a good amen? We're free in Jesus, amen? We're free. But Paul says, no, 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 listen, listen. I want to remind you that that verse is not beneficial for people who elevate your desires above God. Are not beneficial for you. I can do all things. Yeah, no, all things are not lawful. All things are lawful for me. Yeah. But not all things are helpful. Guys, we're free, but not everything edifies us. Are we free to overeat on Thanksgiving? Absolutely. Does it edify? Mm-mm makes us feel bad. Are we free to eat every chocolate cookie, chocolate chip cookie in the house? You're free to do it. Does it edify? Mm-mm. 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 Why? Because our purpose, guys, is not to cause someone to stumble in our freedom. Because people matter. But why do they matter, Ben? Because we want them to be saved. We want them to save. So Paul's going to explain that, right? He's going to illustrate what he's teaching. I love that. Look at verse 24. He said, no, let no one seek his own, but let each one the other's well-being, right? So what is Paul saying? He says, guys, this is the law of love. This is the law of love. We want to live well, but our foremost efforts should be 
to help others live well. What? Yeah, exactly. Paul just, I mean, Paul just turns everything upside down. Why? Because we've always been taught, you get yours, you do you, take care of you, live well. Paul says, listen, y'all have fun, but you need to put others first. You need to put others first. Guys, there's only one thing better than going to heaven. You go, what's that? Taking somebody with you. Taking somebody with you. You go, well, Ben, what's the application? Guys, listen, as believers, we have the responsibility to our fellow Christians in the church. We had, Listen, jot this down. We are responsible to build others up in the faith and to seek their advantage. You want to be successful in life? Build others up. That's, guys, that's our calling. Yeah, Pastor, but you don't know them. They're just, they're, ter- they're, no, your job is to, man, good job. Good job. Guys, that's, that's not us. Let's be honest. That's not us. Why? Because we're, we, we've got this, this flesh in us and we've got this human side in us and, and we're very competitive. And when somebody starts getting or, or doing better than us, no, we, oh, just, that's, but it should be us because, because people matter. And we should, again, think about it. Look what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, man, listen, this is your job. Your job is to build, to build others up in the faith. Jew and I were doing a study, and this man, this just so impacted me when we, when we, we did the study of, of, of marriage. And, and one of the questions, and I keep bringing it up, he's like, listen, is my wife closer to Jesus because of me or in spite of me? The Bible says you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your closest neighbor? Your spouse. Is my wife walking closer to Jesus because she sees the example in my life or because it's like, oh, I was so convicted. I was like, man, I, and that's the whole point, guys. Who, who are we building up? Who are we encouraging? Women, your husband doesn't know the Bible. Encourage him. When they come to you, go, look what I learned. You're just like, yeah, I knew that in fifth grade. Hello. That's not what we do. We go, wow. I'm so, honey, I'm so proud of you. Amen. I love how much you've grown. Oftentimes, we want to cut others down because we don't like ourselves. Other times we want to cut people down because, and that's not, what, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God, listen to what Paul says. Listen to what he said, guys. He says, let no one seek his own. Okay, you ready? Repeat after me. It's not about me. That's what he's saying. But each one, the other's well-being. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. Well, Paul, Ben, 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 Ben. But, but you're saying we should encourage each other because we want to see people saved. What if they're already saved? What if they're already saved? What should I do? Well, we should do the same thing because we possess the mind of Christ and the heart of God. I, that's a hard lesson, guys. It's a hard lesson to learn. It really is. 
I'll tell you why. Because I'm selfish, I'm self-centered, egotistical. It's hard. I have to crucify the flesh because I need, I need to push others. I need to lift up others. My wife, my children, friends, family. Well, Ben, they're not doing everything that they should. It's okay. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to encourage them. Well, what should we do? Well, Paul continues, verse 25. He says, whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake, but the earth is the Lord's, right, in all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever sit before you, asking no questions for conscience sake, right? What's Paul saying? He's going, let me illustrate this. Don't go around asking questions about the meat being sold. He says, enjoy it all. It's all God's. God gave it to us. And if your friend invites you to dinner, enjoy. That's what he's saying. Eat whatever's set before you. That, and again, I mean, I know Paul is talking about food, but guys, we can, we can just, I mean, think about it. We, we're free to eat and we're free not to eat. The point Paul is trying to make is simple. It's not about the food, it's about people. And it really is the same for us. Maybe not so much about food, but other things that can cause a brother or a sister to stumble. Let's just use this as an illustration really quick. Let's just say that you are a coffee drinker, okay? You love coffee. But for some reason the person you invited to coffee is stumbled by coffee. Now, you guys know coffee's not coffee. It's actually something else that they're stumbled by. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs or whatever, whatever it is. Now, you're free. You're free in the Lord to go have coffee, but you don't want to invite your brother and sister to coffee when you know it's going to stumble them. And if you invite them to coffee, what, you should, what should you do? Not have coffee. Have tea. Drink water. Because what you're saying is that they matter. Well, Pastor... I'm free in Jesus to have coffee. Gosh, I don't want to be all, I don't want to be all legalistic and I can't have this, I can't have that. And I, it's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, live your life, but just remember, people matter. Now, somebody invites you to the house, enjoy. Enjoy. But what happens if, verse 28, if anyone says to you, hey, this is offered to idols, he says, don't eat it for the sake of the one who told you. And for conscience sake, why? The earth is the Lord in all its fullness. Okay, so here's the scenario, okay? Gio and Lori invite us over to dinner. Man, what are you cooking, Gio? Gio's like, man, I'm making some steaks on the grill. It's going to be good. Filet mignon is coming up. I was like, man, I'm there. I'm there. Right? And Haas and Becky are coming over too. And Haas says, you know, the steak, the filet mignon that, that, that Gio is cooking, that was offered to idols. What he's saying is that people matter. And I could say, oh, really, Haas? How long have you been saved? Well, I've only been saved just, just, just a couple of weeks, but I, I, don't, I just think it's wrong to eat, to eat that meat. Paul's saying, for conscience sake, you go, you know what? I'm going to honor you. And as much as I'm, and, 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 and Gio is going, man, here's, here's the steak. And I go, Gio, you know what? Listen, for the sake of my brother, Haas, I'm just going to eat the salad. Next time, don't invite him. Yeah, I'm just going to eat the salad. <laughs> just going to eat this. I'm kidding, okay? Don't. 
What does it boil down to, church? It boils down to loving people. Let me just say this, okay? Really, really, let this sink into your heart. A momentary pleasure is not worth people becoming confused and stumbling in their walks with God. A momentary pleasure. I don't care, Haas, this is meat. It's good. I don't care if it's idle. Don't bother me. It's just meat. And Haas goes, boom. Hey, Gio, have you seen Haas? No, I haven't. I hadn't seen him. I think he stumbled in his walk and he's really struggling and he's left Jesus. Well, I guess he wasn't a real Christian then. You see how we are? You see how we do? Guys, no, no, no. It's, it's about people. As believers, listen to me, we must be all in. We must love God, we must love people, we must love radically. And then Paul says, now, living for glory, living for God's glory, but it means sacrifice. Listen, you guys are free. You guys are free. You are free. You are free. But he says, but listen, I'm going to glory to God. Look at verse 29. He says, conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty or my freedom judged by another man's conscience? That's a good question, Paul. He says, but if I partake with thanks, why am I, why am I, am I evil spoken for the food over which I give thanks? In other words, it might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by someone else's thanks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? Well, listen to the best way. Warren Wiersbe writes the best way. Here's what he writes, quote, Paul anticipates an argument here in these verses. Why should my strong conscience be judged by a brother's weak conscience? Okay, I just pointed out that scenario. And what damage can there be, right, in the meat for which I've given thanks? Here's the answer. Regardless of what we do, be it eating or drinking, we must do it for God's glory, not just to please ourselves. Humanly speaking, it may seem wrong for a strong Christian to bow to the weaker brother, but this is what glorifies God. Making the weaker brother stumble into sin would disgrace the church in the name of Christ, unquote. That's what Warren Wearsby says. That's what Warren Wearsby says. He says, guys, listen, it's not that I'm going, hey, Gio, listen, I know you invited me over, but Haas is going, okay, I need to, it's not me, the stronger brother weak, and he goes, but people matter, and I, I don't want him to, I don't want, you, you understand that, I don't have, but let me give you some application, right? Because he says in verse 31, therefore, right, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do what, guys? Do all to the glory of God. Whenever we see a therefore, what do we need to do? First of all, we need to see what is therefore, okay? So we look to the previous verse. Then we remember that a therefore is a transition in the text. And then it's always when you see a therefore, he's giving you application, okay? You go, okay. So what do we need to do? Whatever you do, whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you're doing, if you're doing sound, you're doing security, you're doing children's ministry, you're raking up leaves. It was such a blessing this morning. I pull into the parking lot, and there they were picking up leaves. And I'm going, oh, man, what a great... Whatever you do, do unto the glory of God. Why are you picking up leaves this morning? Well, Pastor Ben's going to be mad if he comes in and sees all these leaves. He's not doing it for me. See, they're doing it for the Lord, the Lord Jesus. We're doing all for the glory of God. You go, what does it mean for the glory of God? Well, that's a good question, Mel. I'm glad you're paying attention. It does this, which involves, 
are having to regard to the edification of our neighbor. That's what the glory of God. It involves having to regard. I want to edify others. That's what it means. God's heart, people matter. Verse 32, give no offense, okay, either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that what? That they may be saved. Here it is. He's going, listen, here's the reason why. You ready? Here's what you need to do. Whatever you do, do unto God's glory. Here's why. Because I want to see people saved. I want to see people. Let's close, okay? Let's close with this. What would our lives look like if we obeyed what we learned today? What would our lives look like if we said, listen, I'm good. I just want to make sure that others are saved. I get it. I I am free in Jesus. I'm free to love, to serve, to do whatever. I, I am free to have a glass of wine with dinner. I am free to do. I am free. But what if I said, that's okay. I'm not going to stand upon my rights because I want to see others get saved. Well, what would your world look like if you took that and you said, every year I spend $500 on Christmas gifts. This year I'm going to spend four and I'm going to take 100 and I'm going to try to bless somebody out there. You go, Ben. That's money. I don't, I don't have that money. I don't spend that much in, on Christmas. Okay, how about this? How about, you purpose to, how about you purpose to encourage and build up a brother or sister in the faith? How about you say, man, well done. Amen. Amen. Guys, you don't understand. You don't understand. Two weeks ago, me and Haas were... Greasy, working under my truck, trying to get it running. And I got a text from a precious sister that said, good sermon. And that was, I said, you don't know what that means. You know what that means? Why? Because, well, first of all, it means you're listening. <laughs> so that's good. No, 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 seriously. What it means is, man, what a great encouragement. And what it means is that God spoke to you, took the time to tell you to encourage me. And, and, and this sister didn't know where I was. And, I mean, I could have been going, I quit. I'm quitting. That's it. I'm not, I'm not coming back to this church. That's it. I quit. It was been a hard day. And, and God just said, no, you know what? Great sermon. Great sermon. Great teaching today. Encourage, guys. What would our lives look like? What, what would our lives look like today if we decided to pull the reins back a little bit and not be so busy? And put people first. What would it look like? I don't know what that looks like in your life. I'm trying to figure it out in my life. But what would it look like? Like Paul said. That's what he's saying, guys. Here's the heart of God. You ready? People matter. Okay? I want you to say that to yourself in the the quietness of your heart. People matter. I want to see him saved. I want to see him saved. I want to see him walking with Jesus. That's what it's about. Amen? Father, thank you for your word tonight, to this morning, God, and the truth in your word. We thank you that whatever we do, whether we're eating or we're drinking or we're working or we're playing, we do all unto the glory of God. 
Help us to edify our neighbor. Help us to build up our sisters and our brothers. Help us to encourage each other. Help us, Lord, to have your heart today. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.